The AP Podcast is sponsored by Epitaph Records, the home to new releases from Leathermouth, Frank from My Chemical Romance's new side project of Screamy Angst Punk. The debut album from Leathermouth is released January 27th. And Screamo Icons Thursday with their first full-length record in three years, Common Existence. Currently headlining Taste of Chaos with Bring Me the Horizon, Common Existence comes out February 17th. For more information on these and other new releases, sign on to epitaph.com. In the latest issue of AP, Bring Me the Horizon guitarist Curtis Ward states, Kids come up to us thinking we're big rock stars, but we're not. Well, maybe it's the media buzz and constant rumor mill that continues to hype the band up so much that they sell out clubs and grab magazine covers on both sides of the Atlantic, including this month's AP. Or maybe it's the controversies the band has had to suffer through, some completely made up, some of their own doing. Or maybe it's because they're now managed by the same guys that manage Iron Maiden. Who knows? But Bring Me the Horizon, for as much as they're hated by some, are loved by many, many more. And to them, these guys are rock stars. Formed in Sheffield, England in 2004, and consisting of Oliver Sykes on vocals, Matt Nichols on drum, guitarist Lee Malia and Curtis Ward, and bassist Matt Keane, Metalcore band Bring Me the Horizon have already released three albums to date, including their latest, Suicide Season, released in late 2008 on Epitaph Records. These five young musicians are talented, but are still a bit naive to the ways of the music industry, and have suffered a lot through the UK's piranha-acting media machine. Nevertheless, they have surprised both harsh critics and judgmental fans alike by becoming one of the most popular new bands in both the UK and the United States. To prove it, they're one of the headliners on this year's Taste of Chaos tour here in the U.S. after just debuting last year on Warp Tour. The rumors abound on the internet about the band, primarily focusing around the mopey-looking lead singer Sykes. He's been accused of everything from deflowering a 13-year-old girl, to having throat cancer, and to even starting his own ABBA cover band side project. Again, some of the rumors are half true, some are flat-out false. And possibly, some are actually true. But again, who knows? The jealousy of a fellow musician knows no end. But none of that really matters, for Bring Me the Horizon are not out to change the world through their music. At least, not yet. Right now, these guys are just having a good time and enjoying it while it lasts. Yeah, Sykes has already started his own clothing company, called Drop Dead, and is trying to model himself after what a lot of other musicians are doing these days. Or should be doing, for that matter. But he also knows that the band signed away their publishing to their UK label, and the only way they're going to make any money right now is through selling clothing. Maybe he has learned a lesson or two. But for a band that thought they'd be stuck in their hometowns forever, right now it's all about enjoying life, seeing that world, and having some fun. All with a bit of a cynical view that this will all most likely end within the next couple of years. 
and back they'll probably go to living with their parents and working at some local construction company. That's why for now it seems, Bring Me the Horizon are just enjoying that ride. Sykes and drummer Matt Nichols joined me for an early morning conversation recently, and if I were you, I'd turn up that volume. For as band as powerful as they are on stage, they certainly don't speak like it in real life. This is Mike Shea. So um, we were talking about high, uh, in school and you got kicked out. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, basically, I should have gone to school for five days a week, but I only ended up going for two days out of the five just because I were a nuisance, basically. Um, I hated school. I hate getting told what to do. I hate... I just, I just fucking hated school, basically. And um, I let them know about it and I just ended up getting <laughs> kicked out and let... Like in for two days a week, which I didn't complain about. I just used to sit at home and do absolutely nothing for five days a week. It was great. But, uh, yeah, I hated school. What's, uh, what about you? Um, I think I was bad at him at school, but I didn't like it. I, I, I got, like, bullied and shit. And you got like, bullied, really? Yeah, yeah, just, like, generally, like, a lot of kids did and stuff. So I, I was one of the kids that fucking hated school. Kind of just got my head down and got on with it until... I had to leave, really. Yeah. Was it? Is there much of a different? I mean, this is going to be. This sounds like a really stupid question, but you know, uh, high school, high school, uh, high schoolers in the United States may not understand the similarities as well as the contrast with English high schools. So when you say you were getting bullied, like in the U.S., it'd be like by the jocks. You yeah, know I mean, it's it's like the, the same, same thing. The same ideas, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, like, then, so at this time period, was this about? That was this at the same time that you guys started meeting up, and and uh, what was that later on? Yeah, it's a- um, we we met uh, just like, I guess like a, there was like an alternative club for kids, weren't there? Yeah, and we and just like back, went back in under 18s one, and that's kind of how we met, just just because we were into saying stuff and that, and and that's yeah, that's how we met, and so we were we've been friends since we were about fourteen, fifteen. Um, I think we always want like like any kid like that. Well, we always want to be in bands and stuff. When we always talked about it, I don't think we ever thought we'd ever be able to do something where it'd be serious. Yeah, we we always talked about making stupid bands <laughs> and just we always attempted to. Well, make you did that, didn't you? Yeah, like a it's, it's like it's out there. Like there was a bunch of like little one-off things or some of that you did in high school. And yeah, stuff yeah. Like that. even before that, we were just we were trying to write, make music when we didn't have a. Any we, ideas? What, we, couldn't, like, we couldn't even play anything. We couldn't play drums. We couldn't play guitar. We couldn't do anything. But we said we still had stupid ideas and making stupid bands. You still got all this material someplace? No, no. no you <laughs> you raised the evidence. Uh, First band we made, you were on bass and you couldn't. Play I can't bass. even play bass. And someone just gave me a bass and said, "Play this," and I was like, "I don't even know how to play that." The pistols didn't. So what difference does it make, right? Yeah. You know, that's actually when you're better when you don't know how to play something, right? Yeah, but when you're practicing in an old woman's bingo hall in Stars Bridge, <laughs> <laughs> crazy, it's pretty funny. But uh, yeah, 
so it, like walk me walk me through the 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 time period there between um, uh, uh, up to the EP um, being put out and uh, and and uh, like starting to do those first gigs and then you opened up for and I can't remember the name right now um, uh, where you got supposedly discovered so to speak uh, and and then the two grand or so was put down for the EP that got eventually got released yeah uh, I think like we when when we were like right started the band and writing songs we we always went to like all the local hardcore shows around like Sheffield and stuff like that and um, I think I think we used to buzz off stuff like that. We used to go to hardcore shows and see bands and kids going off to bands, and we just used to be like, "Whoa, I'd love to be playing in a band and someone jumping around and grabbing mic for my band and stuff." And we just, we, yeah, we just used to go to shows like that all the time and just like tiny like little pubs, like upstairs in pubs and stuff, like probably about eighty people and stuff. But they were rammed to walls and everyone going crazy and stuff and. Everyone, we we kind of got to know people and stuff, and at the same time, some people didn't really like us because we were like, like the little fashiony kids. Like we didn't really know the bands we were going to see, all these like hardcore bands, and all these people did, but we still loved it. And we and we didn't. It's not like we knew the words, or we really even knew these bands. We just kind of loved to go and see these bands play and stuff. And after a while, people just started to like, like accept us, I guess, and yeah. stuff. And then, and then when it came out to uh, came out to us having a band, that we actually had a band and stuff, and. I don't know, how did we how did we even We land? just we just got to know a couple of like promoters and stuff like in hardcore scene and they just basically just put us on shows like like opening shows like Sheep who works for us now, our tour manager, he's mm. yeah, he was like the the first guy to give us like a show, I think. Wow, uh, so he's been with you that long. Uh, yeah, well oh, that's great. He, he, it's he, kind he, of funny story. It's like yeah. We used to, we used to look up to Sheep so much. Sheep Sheep used to be this guy in like the hardcore scene who was like <laughs> He had his own blog. He had this blog called like, SheepX.com, and everyone in the hardcore scene thought he was like the coolest guy in the world. Like he's the most respected. Like he just he'd go to every show. He'd be he'd go on tour with every single. If there's anybody you want on your side, it's the guy that like controls everything. Like it's like it's the icon for the scene in the area, right? Yeah, and he's like he'd like go on tour with all the like, every all like the hardcore bands, and he'd be like, yeah, he used to TM for sick of it all and stuff like that when they were over in UK. And oh, okay, all right, he, yeah. He was just kind of that guy that everyone like. He, everyone knew and stuff so and plus he knew the process he knew yeah. who to talk to he knew so for you guys it was actually like a like almost like getting like that that connected manager in a way right yeah it's yeah. like in uk hardcore i guess sheep like the man wasn't he like you know what i mean people everyone knew him everyone went to his shows and stuff like that and he had an he had like a fest didn't it and it was called sweat fest and it had evergreen terrace on it and stuff like that, and we were just like, I'd kill to play that show. And we played a show in Sheffield to like 30 people. No, it was a lead. He put us on a show. in Leeds? No, he put us on a show in Leeds, didn't he? Oh, yeah, first. He goes, and, then he, and then we played the next day again in Sheffield, and he, he, he got saw us again, and he offered us this. And, and after we after we played, he, he offered us a, a spot on his um, festival. On his festival, yeah. And he had all these bands on like, uh, Evergreen Terrace and stuff, which to us back then were like our heroes and stuff, so we were like yeah. freaking out. Oh, right, I'm sure. Yeah, right. like yeah. We, we thought about the best thing ever. And uh, so that was another good chance for us. And, it, and then like a lot of people even like... So was that like your first major gig? Was that festival gig? Or was it kind of like, would you say there was one before that? I guess that one was our... Yeah, like our the first... Big, our big one for us then. Like, well, ev every show back then felt like our, our big one sort right. of thing. Like, we'd be playing... Like our third show was a band called Johnny Trump, which we're in the one that we looked up to and stuff. And like they should have been on this tour, but they broke up just before this tour started. 
Um, yeah. The good ones always break up, uh, you know. So, so with this with this particular, um, I'm just kind of wondering, like, if if this was like the big, you know, like one of the big gigs, and like some of your idols, you know, like the bands that you guys are really into, at least were were playing it. Um, I'd imagine that like those first few, maybe probably a half dozen or so gigs that you guys did together as as like a band as a formed unit were probably, you know. They always say if you don't go on stage, if you go on stage and you're not nervous, then you're not doing it right. Um, so you guys must have been sweating like yeah. anything. We, I remember when we played our first, like, because we went to these shows where we were all these hardcore straight edge, just straight, <laughs> and we were this like these little 16 year old kids playing kind of like, I guess it was more American metalcore influenced kind of yeah, music, yeah. and it was usually just straight up punk hardcore whatever we were fucking and especially because we were young and we knew all the, and we, we knew there were a lot of people that like looked at us and like didn't like our haircuts and all this stuff we, we, we were so nervous just to be playing this pub to about 80 people I can remember. <laughs> we, we we can remember before we even got off of the gig there we were like would we even dare play there because it's so scary because it's so like so many of these kids that are just like yeah. was it like the blues brothers and they were throwing shit and you know you guys no, it, fence and, it was like if it, people if people didn't seem to be into it, they'd probably just stand there and just not be bothered, just just watch. You know what I mean? Stare at you. Yeah. yeah. It was weird. So so many of them kids actually. They, I don't know. We got this kind of like reputation that we were young and we could play our instruments, and everyone started really liking us. All these kids started liking us. Who don't usually listen to this music? They all like kind of gave us a bit of like credit just because we were so young and we were playing this music good. And then like. And then sheep, sheep were really into us. So, and a lot of people like kind of just like, if they like, if sheep liked it, they liked it. So, kind of started getting like, like word of mouth about it. You know, you've talked about that in some of the interviews. You kind of, I think, in one interview, you actually said that you could, actually it was in the AP story. Um, it just came out. You kind of talk about that. You kind of, in a way, you kind of regret the 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 some of the early images, the photographs, and the looks that you guys had like early on. Yeah. And um, and so it's kind of like you know, it, 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 like I said before we started this interview, like there was that generational break and the scene break. So you kind of had the traditionalist that like it's, you, if you're going to be in this scene, you got to look that way, act this way, do it this way, keep it basic, you know. And you guys are coming out and you're representing a whole new generation, which is, you know, it's it, it is it's not only just about the music, but you also because of the internet and marketing, and you have to stand out amongst hundreds of thousands of bands within your own country. It is about image, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. You got to find your way to make your own identity. So. It's like, how much of a pain in the ass was that originally at first? You guys were coming in, new generation, new look, trying to, you know, I guess in a way, break through these, these standardizations, these stereotypes within the scene, like playing those kind of gigs. How difficult was that? I guess it was difficult, but I think the thing we always never really understood were like why, because it was kind of it was just how we dressed before we were in a band. Right. Yeah, so yeah. it was just how we dressed if we weren't in a band and we turn. It was always like that. So it was kind of for us. It's just like fair enough, but that's just how we look anyway. So we're not going to change it. We're not going. And we, well, I think we always just stuck to that. We we've always got we've always got like stick for that and. We've just never changed it, and I, I, I just don't think we really understand it because every single type of music in the world's linked with your fashion. So that's right. music and fashion go hand in hand. I don't get people who say it's not because it is like whether it's punk, hardcore, metal, right. everything's got a look to it. So it's just not something that really phases us. 
Well, Green Day used to get lots of shit when they first came out too, because they weren't, you know, they weren't traditional. They weren't out of the the mold yeah. of you know some of the dirtier, grungier punk bands. You know, that were come that were out of the eighties and stuff like that. So, yeah. it's you're you're probably right. You're gonna get crap no matter what you do. Yeah, it's just weird. I don't really. We haven't. I mean, we have obviously got an image, but it's not an image that we've. Like some bands have, like you know, made. It's just we just dress how each person just dresses how we like to dress, and we do what we want to do. And I guess it's worked out for an image, but that's good, I guess. Is there anything like from from like around the time of the EP and that that you know that before the first record, before you 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 guys record the first record in Nottingham? Yeah, yeah. Um, but before, right up to that point, is there anything from that time period that now that you guys are well, a tad bit older, and but obviously even more wiser, and you've learned a lot more. That you would kind of go back and say, okay, if we could have not done that, we probably wouldn't have done that. Probably not. I don't think. I think every, everything we've done has got us where we are now. We've yeah. got no regrets or anything like that. So we're right. happy where we are and stuff. We're all happy in the place we are right now. So if we were to go back and change something, then it'd it'd have a knock-on effect and change everything. Yeah, I mean? it's a good way to live. I'm I'm quite happy with what's everything that's gone on and where we are now and stuff like that. So if you're, if you're happy, if you're happy with it, like <coughs> it goes for anyone. If you're happy where you are today, then you shouldn't regret anything because anything different, anything that you go back and change would make could make your life a, a whole lot worse right now. So kind of tying into this and maybe kind of wrapping up this whole like this new you know like the new generation your own style your own uh, uh your own point of view on how you're going to present your music is there um i guess is there like any kind of i don't know words of wisdom or for you know another uh, musician that's out there you know a new band that that's trying to break into a scene or a particular genre and maybe they're intimidated by the old school guys the traditionalists. I mean, do you guys just from your own experiences? Because um, you guys still get a lot of shit yeah, from yeah. traditionalists, um, and more so in the UK and Europe than in the US at this point, because the US guys haven't all woken up. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so it's like, what would be your words of advice? Just is it literally just to, you know just ignore it? Yeah, it's just you, you can't let stuff like that get to you. It's like if 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 we don't let people get to us when they first started giving us shit for how tight our jeans were or how fucking stupid our haircuts were or whatever, then we'd have probably given up in about a month. But, right. you know, you, you just can't let stuff like that get to you. It's, it's just fuck it, you know, just shrug it off and it's whatever. That's what we did. We can't, you can't let it get to you or it's just going to, like, bring you down or whatever, but just, just shrug it off. That's all we ever did. Just fuck it. Don't listen to it. Do what you want to do. As long as there's more people that believe in what you're doing than there is that's hating it, then it doesn't matter. That's what we. That's what, there's so many people that fucking hate our band, but there's so many people that actually really do believe in what we're doing. So it's like, you know, you're doing something right as long as there's other people believe in what you're doing. So it was it was Jamie Farrell. That's who I'd written out before. I'm horrible with names. Um, who's uh, with Nothing, which is a UK metalcore band. And yeah. you guys, the story is, is that you guys opened up for them. Yeah. yeah. And then that's when he discovered you and he's like, we got to do something. Yeah, it was kind of like, I think we, we played we played quite a few shows with that band and just he'd just seen us around the stuff and just, I think just like the... In, he kind of knew who we were, didn't he? Yeah. Like, and he, I, think he, I think he kept saying, like, every time we see him, he'd say, oh, like, he'd, he'd make a comment, like, you got the right CD or you... 
you got to, like, he, 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 like, made it obvious that he went out of bounds and stuff, and after a while, he won that, that night, he's, like, we played. We in Leeds, wasn't it? And Joseph well. In Sheffield, wasn't it? Oh, we played in Chef. We played that show in, with nothing, but we played in Leeds. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was, like, another time where we, yeah. cause we, we'd be playing, like, these shows, like, at least once a week. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and, you, and you, like, you just said it, and we didn't know how serious he were. And then, like... It, yeah, it just came together. He offered. He just like said, "I'll I'll put your CD out. I'll start a little label up." Uh, as it sounded, we were like, "Yeah, we're stoked." Because we, we can't afford to. We were skint. We were like sixteen, seventeen year old. We had no money. We had like we didn't have a clue about recording or whatever. And we tried to record like some songs in my basement, and we recorded one, put it on MySpace and stuff, and it just sounded like it was garbage, but it was. It was something at least, wasn't it? So, but, did anybody in the band ever have music lessons at all? Or are you guys all self-taught? Uh, Curtis and Lee did. Yeah. yeah. Our guitar players, I think Lee did up until a couple of years ago. Um, but, yeah, I've never had lessons. I so then how did you learn lesson. it? Like, what was your process for, for, for you? Like, what was your process? Like, was it just playing along the records and getting it? or Just, I don't know. Just, a friend kind of help you out? I played drums a little bit before Bring the Rising started. I played in another band, but it was like nothing too serious, you know what I mean? It was just garbage, basically. And um, when Bring the Rising started, I guess that's when I really had to start playing drums properly, if you know what I mean. But like You're forced, right? <laughs> well, well, not really. It's just like I had to start practicing more or whatever. And, and but like it's kind of hard because I live on a, a council estate and it's just surrounded by houses. You, I ain't got a drum kit at So home. explain that for the American kids. Like, what's a council estate? A council estate. It's council just, estate. It's just um, a fucking load of houses put together and just loads of people. And it's kind of just like, just like, like, just like suburbs in America. But like, you get like government, like government paid. Yeah, houses, so yeah, 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 yeah. Government assistance. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. It, it's just like that in England, but it, it's... Okay. It's just a bit. So you couldn't shit. play the drums because it was you get neighbors, neighbors above you and the side of you and you know across yeah. the street and. Yeah. So I guess I just I just learned from watching other drummers and trying stuff out and stuff. Did you play a lot of couches? Um, <laughs> sometimes, just whatever. Basically, I just yeah, I just I just learned from watching other drummers and and stuff like that. I mean, I'm still nowhere where I want to be and what how good I want to be. I'm nowhere near that. Mm. You know what I mean? But. Yeah, I guess I'm, that's the only way I learned. Oh. Like, just by being in a band, that's how I learn how to play drums, I guess. But what about you, Ali? I mean, like, like I just used to scream along to CDs in my bedroom. Who'd you scream along to? Um, what first bands I remember, just like Glastro and stuff like that. Oh yeah, like, right. like the first bands that I listened to that actually screamed and stuff like that. But I don't know why, what they were about screaming rather than singing or whatever else. I just always just wanted to just be like it scream so and I sucked at first I mean even when we started bringing Horizon I weren't that good and it's, it's just again just progression just keep doing it and, and finding out new ways and new things to do with your voice and how you was your it. mom with the screaming along in your bedroom she hated it she used to scream at me <laughs> I screamed down tell me to shut the fuck up so you're rehearsing screaming she's screaming at you because you're screaming so you scream back at her to shut up right yeah, yeah I got it it's a good catch 22 kind of can continues on a nice cycle um we actually take two music breaks during the show, and um, so we're gonna take one right now. And uh, I want you guys to pick one band for each of you, um, and any song by that artist. Okay, uh, give me that song that maybe 
you was like your song, I and mean, you say glass jaw, maybe it is a glass jaw song, but like that song that, that you sang and you, you went over in your bedroom that you're like, when I nail this, this is my goal. Like, I, I know it. And like for you, like from a drumming, what was that song that you used to like, you know, like that was the one that was like, man, I, I'm going to work my way up to like accomplishing, you know, doing everything that this guy did on this, on this tune. All right. Um, I can think of the first song I ever like tried to learn on drums. I know that. I know that. Yeah, because I played it here, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I used to have this fucking shit drum kit, and um, it cost me like two hundred pounds, and it was just fucking abysmal. And the cymbals were like, must have been like ten pounds each, and they would just fall into bits. And like <laughs> the first, the first song I ever tried to learn was um, "Newfound Glory." What's that song called? Hit or miss, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and I used to. I can remember taking, because I used to live at my mom's house, but my drums were at my dad's. And so I, like, I used to go to my dad's and I remember taking him in my bedroom and just being like, check this out. And like playing Newfound Glory, like really shit. Yeah, I was stoked though, that was the best thing I ever heard. But uh, yeah, it was <laughs> fucking awful. So that's the first time I ever really like tried to learn to play on drums. It's It or Miss by Newfound Glory. How about you? Um... I remember one at one at bands that I used to like. I was obsessed with, and one at bands that I always used to play in my room and scream along to were a band called Lost Prophets. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, Shinobi vs Dragon Ninja, one of the songs that I always used to sing along to and go crazy to. And if, if either one of you guys nailed those two songs yet? Have you gotten to that point where you? <laughs> well, I never sounded like he did. I just <laughs> kind of just used to scream my head off. I've um, never even tried. I ain't even tried. <laughs> <laughs> so no, no newfound glory cover bands for you in the future then, um, right? Yeah, probably not. <laughs> unless it's unless it's supposed to be like a experimental group. Yeah, it, it, it could work. Maybe <laughs> do a cover one day. Yeah, <laughs> right, right.
podcast is sponsored by epitaph records the home to new releases from not without a fight the new record from one of the most successful pop punk bands of all time new found glory their epitaph records debut comes out march 10th followed by a full-length u.s tour kicking off in tempe arizona on march 25th And Bring Me the Horizon. The UK invades the US this spring as the band co-headlines with Thursday on this year's Taste of Chaos tour. Their latest release, Suicide Season, out now and available in store, online, everywhere. For more information on these and other Epitaph new releases, Sign on to epitaph.com. You guys were talking about, you know, um, hooking up with sheep and um, and then, you know, meeting Jamie and kind of having him take you under his wings and kind of give you that confidence that you guys needed. Um, but <laughs> I actually have a friend of mine in a band here in Cleveland that's going through the same thing right now. Yeah, if you got any decent amount of talent at all, even if it's just a sliver, all of a sudden all the sharks come around you. Like those guys that and gals that live off of taking advantage of bands. You know, it's like they they just any any band of note that's within your local music scene can probably tell you experiences of people that like yeah they promised us the world. They said they used to do A and R for some band like you're from the label ten years ago and blah blah blah. Do you, were there ever those moments in those first, uh, maybe even go through it now, uh, where you guys kind of had those people come around and like, I think you can I, tell, I you know? Now's the time more than ever. Like, oh, yeah. Well, we, yeah. Well, you, cause, I think because we're getting quite a bit of buzz in America or whatever and stuff, and we're, we're definitely not used to it. I don't think it's as, it, I'm sure it is like that in the UK, but for a, for a band like us in the UK, it's not as much because it's like, we're not exactly that. That we're not mainstream music in America. I guess in America it's a bit more mainstream right. than it is in England. So I think more. I think we'll be seeing it more than ever. Like now, like just like people like pretending that they know your band and stuff when they don't really know your band, and people saying stuff and offering you this and 
um, stuff like that. That's how, how can you tell? Like, is there a way you guys can just tell that like, somebody's full of crap? Um, well, when we were like, when we were like trying to get a, a, a label for the new record and stuff, like shopping around for labels, we met a lot, when we were playing what we met a lot of record labels and stuff, and like, and like you can and like you can just tell some are like more just bothered about get, getting your CD just to finger, and then some are really actually enthusiastic, like Epitaph. You could just. You could just tell how like enthusiastic Brett were about having us a, a band on his label and stuff, and you could tell he actually cared, and like you, you could see him actually stoked and getting excited about it and stuff. And then you could you talk to some labels, and you could, it was more just like you know it was more just like a picture, yeah. They yeah. were just like saying stuff to you and just like saying what they can do for you. And they didn't really, they didn't. They, they said they, they liked the record and stuff, but you can tell there's you can tell more than others. Some people really just want the music and they're just really excited about yeah. your band and stuff. And then some are more just like. I don't really know who you are. I just know that we need to get you because you're doing well right now and stuff like that. It's like, like Brett came out to see us and stuff like that and he came and like personally came and like chilled with us and stuff like that and I had a, like, I had a word with us after, like, before we played and after we played and stuff and like came and watched us play and like, but some labels are just, they won't even send anyone to media. Yeah, like they so just Really? There was, there, yeah. there, were, there were some labels offering us more money than Epitaph but it, these were labels that didn't even bother coming out and not even say hello. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, every... <clears throat> I think one of the most important things for our band is we grew up in like we've always grown up where family's important you know what I mean like in England it's like that and especially if we're, we're from South Yorkshire it's like it's just kind of one of those things so I think one of the most important things in for us is having people around us that treat us like a family rather than like business partners and stuff and we've got that with our management we've got we've got that with our record label back home We've got that with all the people that we take on tour. Like, my brother works for us and all that. Right, your younger and brother all, Tom. Yeah, yeah, and all, yeah, all our best friends work for us. Everyone that works for us aren't people that have just been pulled in yeah. because they're good at the jobs. The people that have been pulled in because they're our, our friends, friends and, and we want to. We're going to get them good at the yeah. jobs and we're going to make them have, like, we're going to make them get all these, like, stuff so they've got, like, better better chances in, 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 in the rest of the life and stuff. So. I think for us, it's just important that everyone around us is our friends and our family, like families, rather than people that are just right. good at their jobs and don't really give a shit about us. It's like we brought we brought three people on this tour that had nothing to do, and we just gave them something to do. They're they're like our best friends, yeah. basically, and like we talked about it this tour, we're like like as much as we want to keep taking our best friends on tour, we can't really because we, we're starting to get to a level now that we where we need people to do their jobs and. We sat down when we can we can get people or we can just say look these are your jobs and you're going to learn how to do them and then you're going to get good at them and you're going to do it properly but yeah. are you doing those are you doing those sit downs you do kind of have like the tour manager like sheep's handling and stuff because it's there's one thing that you're so you guys are so right the way you're doing it like having your friends do it at first because they're the ones who be most loyal yeah you know those can be the ones who be the most they're going to have your back they're going to offend you they're always going to be there for you but at the same time it's like at some point or another it's a job yeah and somebody has to be a dick if somebody drops yeah, the that's ball exactly, yeah. that's exactly what i said me me it was me and chief we sat down with him and said like yeah um basically what i just said that you got these jobs if you want to do them it's up to you if you want to do them because it's going to be full time this is like you have to get the rest of your life sort of thing because some already worked some already had worked back home some had jobs with me at drop dead and um, so it's like you're gonna have to let go of that. You're gonna have to. This is full time. Yeah. And and also like, 
this sheep's a tour manager, like you've been kind of getting an easy ride because you're our friends and our family and stuff. We've kind of, it's like one of them things where if the tour manager shouts and we go, oh, shut up, like, because they're our friends, they've always got it easy, but it's like, it's not going to be as easy now. It's yeah, like, now, well, now they're working. Whatever sheep says, mm -hmm. sheep goes. If sheep's not happy, then you can fire oh, so you. That's how it goes. Yeah. All right. You know, you uh, it, it was said that your mom booked some of the early shows. and uh, she's still doing any of the business stuff besides the uh, clothing line? Um, she's no, we kind of handed it all over to her. Since to we got proper manage management, yeah, which kind of my mom's pretty relieved about. <laughs> oh, so she was. Yeah. All right, all right, because you know some of those theater moms, you know, like they can't give it up. They're like, it's yeah. more about them, and and then then she'll always. Uh, she, I think, I think she'll always. She'll always be there to help us, and she'll always sort little things out. You know what I mean? Like, she, and we are, and like when we do get a bit lost, sometimes we'll like, like when we get back from America, I'm I'm sure we'll be like, phoning my mom going, can you can you book us a taxi? We don't know how to get her, like, because we're still like, we're useless basically. Yeah, we're useless, <laughs> and we're definitely. Like, my mom will always come in handy for stuff like that, but I've, she she did a lot more than like she should have done really. Like, yeah. just like she was basically our manager and. And she did a really good job at it and stuff, but she had a lot on with, like, because she'd run the whole of Job Dad, which is my clothing company and stuff. Right. So, um, I yeah. think she, she kind of knew that we'd, if we didn't have someone guiding us, we'd be fucked. Fall apart. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't want to, she want to see that happen. So. And I think she just took over and was just like, yeah, if these guys don't have me, they're fucking ruined. But um, <clears throat> yeah, it's pretty, pretty good that Carol stepped in and helped us out because she'd sorted us out. At, quite a, a lot yeah without carol would be fucked basically got it but it's got to be difficult i know a couple of band members whose whose moms or dads are like heavily involved in the band's business but it's difficult when you're because you got like that parent child relationship thing going on right so they're like protective and like are you you're, so you're the firstborn, right in your family all right so parents usually the firstborn are like I mean, like they, they're all like they don't want to let go of the first one, right? Okay. So even that 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 firstborn could be like twenty seven or thirty, and in the head of the parent, they're still sixteen, <laughs> and uh, so it's kind of like kind of. I mean, I imagine it's got to be a little hard sometimes to like, you know, like trying to like you know, hooking up with girls and getting drunk and everything else like that. And, well, he's and your mom's aware of the whole freaking thing, and so like, how do you like keep that between like, mom, this is my private life. We can talk about the clothing line, you know. We could talk about the shows or getting us a taxi. But don't ask me about what you read online last night about. <laughs> yeah, um, he's got the coolest parents anyway. His, his dad's mental. <laughs> <laughs> his dad's a, his dad's the coolest guy in the world. His mom's a cool as fuck as well. So. Yeah, it went. It were never really like that. Like, obviously, they were they were sometimes because there's been there's been things that came out in press and stuff like I've I've been arrested and stuff about stupid stuff that obviously knew about and right but she's always she she know I think she just knows what kind of person I am and she trusts me and she already and she kind of just like yeah she just like, even when shit went wrong and stuff I, she always she always knew that like I I who I was and stuff and like that I'd never really done all wrong and stuff like that so oh it, it were always fine so the Ar Arctic Monkeys are from Sheffield, right? So are you guys pretty much like the latest thing that's come out of that area? Um, um, I don't know about... In, in and my editors would probably say the best thing that's come out of that area, by the way, so... Uh, um, we don't really follow the music scene really low. But I mean, as much as like notoriety within the press, the music press in England and stuff like that, like you guys, Sheffield, you've put Sheffield back on the map again. I don't, <laughs> know, if, I don't know if you've done that. <laughs> like, like I said before, we're... 
metal's still not mainstream in like like heavy music like it's not in, indie music in England's fucking huge at the minute and like electro's getting big and stuff like that right. and I kind of like the metal scene got really big at one bit but like I don't even know what it's where it's gone or what's happened because we're always on road we never get to go to shows like last show we went to were like under oath in Leeds ages ago and that like the first show in a long while that we'd ever been to and like I just don't even know what's going on with UK metal scene anymore like because mm. we never got shows because there were a point where we, we played all them shows you know what I mean and then our band kind of took off and we played overseas and we'd kind of lost touch with like bands and stuff we don't even know what's going on I, I couldn't even tell you bands hmm. anymore it's, it's like in 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 the alternative of metal scene then then yeah but like would like what in like people talking about us and stuff and that but it's like in, on a on a huge scale like you walk up to most people in Sheffield and say bring and rise and they'll be like who yeah wow and if you say, oh, I'm monkeys, they'll be like, yeah, man. Everyone in the world, <laughs> every single person in the world knows I'm monkeys. I'm monkeys, we love our monkeys. Like, a lot of people think it's weird, but we really, 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 really love our monkeys. Like, Fucking awesome. We listen, that's one of the bands we listen to a lot on tour and stuff. When, mm -hmm. we're, on, when we're on tour, because, like, lyrics and stuff, we kind of relate to them because it's our town and, like, we relate to, like, how they talk and stuff. And we're just like, I think it kind of, we kind of buzz off it when when we're away and stuff like that we listen to it a lot it reminds us of the home a bit or whatever and yeah I was just kind of wondering like if your parents like when they go around or they talk to their friends back home if they're no like the, if their friends are always asking about how's your son doing in the band and stuff like you like I know for a fact my dad tells probably everyone he ever meets <laughs> that I'm in a band and then but um yeah, he always, he always says to me, oh, people have been asking about you and all this stuff, but these people probably aren't going to clue who my band is or whatever. Just, I, I don't know, but that's just stoked. For like, I think it's like all our family is, is a big thing because we're, we're travelling the world and stuff and going around to America and doing these big tours. Right. That's like, for like for in England, for a lot of people, that's like insane to them, you know what I mean? Especially yeah. to our like, older families and stuff because it's a lot of things. It's not what many people... It, we're not, we're not we're not like well off none of us are like rich we all come from like normal working class backgrounds and mm -hmm. stuff like that we've never had and stuff like what we're doing now like we're in traveling America for like the third time and like I never even expected to come to America once like it's always been one of them places when they were like 12 or like I want to go to America so bad I want to go to Orlando we'll go to like Universal and stuff like that and then but to actually do it and do it like three times is fucking insane it's just I don't know just something never expected ever yeah. like we started this band just to play shows basically because we loved going to shows and watching bands and we that's what we wanted to do basically and to say we're here now is just fucking and mental so so um this is the third tour right now right it's a fourth tour, but fourth it's the tour. third time we've been over here, yeah. So then, what were the other tours? War tour? We, first tour we ever did was with Kitty. Okay. And um, It Dies Today. Then we did... How long of a tour was that? How many days? A uh, month and a half. And then month we and a half. jumped okay. straight on to another tour with Banco Boy, you dead. Mm -hmm. For another month and a half. So it was a three-month straight tour. So was there something, uh, again, to kind of like, to kind of educate the American listeners to the British scene and the, and the differences, but like... Um, a lot of bands from the Midwest will go to New York City. Like, they'll be big in the Midwest. And they'll go to New York City, and New York City people have seen everything. Yeah. So they're very tough crowds sometimes. So 
did you guys, the first time you came over to America and you did that month and a half, did you notice right off the bat that you had to either change your performance style at all? Maybe um, the way you started your set, the way you paced your set. Um, was there any sort of difference that you had to like, uh, did you, like an acclimation you had to make to the American audiences versus what you were used to doing back home? Uh, well, when we first came to America, you weren't even here. I wasn't even here. So like, mm. I had trouble getting my visa mm. at first because I had like, when I was younger and stuff, I got in trouble with law and whatever. How bad is the visa situation right now? A lot of, a lot of people in America don't know how bad it is. I mean, everything that the musicians I know from England would say it's horrible still. It's, uh-huh. it's not that bad. It's, like, it's not. It's, we've, we've never really had a problem. And even, even like some of us got criminal records and we always thought it would be a problem. And like, it, we're all fine, really. Yeah, I, only reason I can go is because I forgot some paperwork, basically. Uh, so like we went down for our interviews and like like say I got in trouble with police a while a while back when I was in school and stuff, and um, you have to get like um, I was just going to ask you explain the process of getting a visa to come to the states and play as a musician. I don't I, to be honest I don't even know. You don't uh, even know. <laughs> I, I don't know the hard <laughs> oh, work. That's what always mom did. But um, the bit where I went wrong is I got in trouble with police when I was younger, and you have to. When you send off your visa, you have to. If you've been in trouble with police, you have to get them to send you like a, a form with like your charges on and stuff like oh, that. Okay. And, and like so, on my visa, I said, "Have you ever been like in trouble with law?" And I'm like, "Yeah." But um, what I didn't know is when I were a minor, and like now, them offences are just wiped clean. They're wiped out, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I got my form back from police, and it said, "Oh, you've got no." no charges or whatever so I took I went to down for my visa but I forgot the piece of paper what said I had no charges and they were just like if you had this we could give you a visa but you ain't got it you need to send it us and I was just like well I'm going to America in two days and it's like you're not and I'm like shit so I went a week later these went out and then I just well, sat at home filling drummer from New York who was a woman <laughs> it was so random and um, <laughs> we hit somebody they picked off the street hey Betty come here I'll label I'll label like newer and she did this sort out and stuff so kind of we, we had to practice we day and she 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 just listened to the CD and stuff so we're, and we're about an hour to practice so and she did really well like she that's she, awesome she got nailed most of the times but it was never it was never how it right. really was but like I remember the, f- the first show we ever played in America was in New York and um we started playing and the whole room went fucking crazy and everyone knew the words and kids were, they were like kids getting up. We nearly got cut off because all the kids started getting on stage and singing along and stuff. And we like, we didn't, we didn't think, we didn't know, we, we only just got a label there. We, we didn't have any idea like, if anyone even knew us out there apart from people out MySpace saying like, we want to see you and stuff. So it was insane and like, we went up to our merch at, like after and our merch was selling out and they were like, like, people crying when they met us and stuff and like that and it was so weird we were like what the fuck's going on and like it was kind of like that that vibe all the way through the tour just like every night kids were like there'd be like this a lot of kids just going down to see us you know what i mean just for our band stuff and it it didn't really make it we just couldn't understand it really and so yeah it was pretty cool <laughs> so if anything you guys were shocked by your response to it yeah we, yeah it was we, yeah we, I think we're always shocked when stuff like that happens. Like, even this tour, we're shocked. Like, it's doing so well and stuff. And, like, Warped Tour, we were shocked. We didn't think, like, every... I think we always just kind of, like, expect the worst. Yeah, we're used to that. We used to be in that band on that bill where everyone snarls at and when we're on, no one watches and stuff like that. We used to play in these metal fests where everyone's just, like, 
I'm more metal than you, you know what I mean? And just kind of like looked down on us. But when we came over to Warped, it was pretty weird because people were actually coming up to us and going, yeah, man, show her like awesome, like your band's, I like your band, it's cool. And we were just like, cool, cheers. It was kind of weird to be the band that people liked for once, you know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. we were just so used to people looking down on us and giving us shit. So it was sweet to come over here and people be like, yeah, actually like your band. And we were just like, cheers. So did you guys go back home with like some self-confidence that you didn't have before, before you came over? And like, you're like, shit. Like all this stuff, this crap that we get from the press, from the websites in England and so forth, from all these people saying that we're, you know, we're, what they say, bring me the hand raiser and stuff like that. <laughs> you know, it's like, you're making fun of you guys. It's get none of it matters anymore. Yeah. It's never really mattered to us, though. Like, the shit we've got, has it? We just, yeah. we've done, we've always just gone whatever and just shrugged it, was, it off. It was weird, though. I think, I think we did go back from Warp Tour with a bit, bit more confidence stuff and it seemed to rub off because ever since we've come back from Warp Tour, all the, all the magazines and all the press have really been like, the, the the good like the, we got back from Warped Tour and the day we got back from Warped Tour we played a show for Kerrang like a secret Kerrang show and that, that got a really good review and stuff and ever since that the magazine have been completely behind us from before when they fucking basically hated us well yeah because you guys got Best Newcomer by Kerrang in 2006 and then this year you won Best British Band oh we were nominated for it we didn't you were nominated oh I thought you won that yeah. no we didn't win okay so hey damn close enough I think uh, Bullet for My Valentine win uh, somewhere like that. Hmm. Yeah. Next year. <laughs> you got to have something to strive for. You know yeah. What I mean? Exactly. So um, I'm just curious. So, so do you think that there was kind of like this thing, like you guys made it in the, U in the US, so then the UK was like, okay, now they're cool? Um, no, I don't know. I think mm. it was a lot to do with a new record and stuff like that. Okay, I all think right. The new record won a lot of people over it, like, cri like critics and like peers and stuff in England. I think a lot of a lot of and you're talking about count your blessings. No, suicide. No, or or suicide. All right, yeah. so we're talking like right now this yeah. year. Okay. When when our last CD came out, a lot of people were just like they didn't really get into it as much. You know what I mean? But like since this new CD comes out, everyone seems to be a lot more into us and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Why do you think that is? Like, what was this? I mean, because you've talked about that in interviews where you said like you guys were Nottingham and you and you guys kind of like you felt. I guess like it felt like you couldn't get your heads clear when you did that record. And so then when you went off to Sweden to do this one, and I think as you guys described, you were like about an hour away from anything, you know, and, and you guys were able to kind of like be by yourselves and just focus on that. And, and, uh, and plus you had a new producer and, you know, do you think that's it? Or is it just maybe you guys grew as musicians? Or? I think it's just this record we kind of, for the magazine and stuff, I think it, it We've shown them that we can write structured songs, and mm. like we, I think we just really proved it to them that we can write proper full songs and stuff. Where like the last CD, it was more just like we didn't give a fuck about writing structured like songs like that. It was more just like we want it, it was the music we wanted to write at the time and stuff. And the magazines, I don't think really got it. The kids did, but like I don't think the magazines did. And I think this time they've both got it. If you know what I mean, like everyone's into it. Just cool. Do you think that there was some sort of so? Are you kind of saying there was some validity to some of the critic critical analysis of the of that last record? Um, Even though the fans got it, yeah, you yeah. Know what I mean, I don't know. People, yeah, no. People just didn't get it. Yeah, yeah. and then if you guys could have, I mean, is there anything? I mean, I know you guys are like we don't have regrets, 
You know, like you, you go through everything for a reason. Yeah. So it's kind of like, but if you could, if you could go back, and some artists do this, like after a while, they kind of go back and they, they kind of do what George Lucas did with Star Wars, and he kind of like tweaked, you know, yeah. the first one a little bit and threw in some extra stuff. Um, but like, if there was something you could go back to count your blessings to do anything with, what would it be? Record it better. Yeah. Yeah. It was. A, I think a lot of it was the production. Yeah. You know, produ- we didn't get. It didn't come out how we wanted it to sound at all. You know what I mean? We didn't have enough time on it. We didn't have enough rushed. time and stuff. But doesn't that keep it true? Doesn't that keep it... Like, I was talking to Jason Pettigrew, in chief, this morning about you guys, and we were talking about the difference between this record and the last one, and he's like, well, yeah, I mean, they didn't have the top-line studio, and they didn't, you know, it was like that first one. It was like the training wheel record, yeah. in a way, you know? And But he's like, but to the people that are all about traditionalism and the metalcore scene and all that, that was like kind of what you guys were coming through... Because uh, you guys see the new one's more rock. You don't really see it as metalcore. You see it more as rock. And and that one, it was just like, it kind of needed to have that kind of gritty, kind of raw, unproduced, unfinished, polished yeah. sound. The new one's produced. You can tell somebody had a real board and knew what they were doing. You know, the last one, it was more gra- It was more gritty. Yeah. So. Uh, it wasn't even gritty in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, was just, it was just bad. <laughs> yeah, we just... Every idea we had and we put forward for County Blessings just got fucking pushed to one side and we just got basically everything we, our our input kind of just got ignored and he kind of just did what he wanted to do, you know what I mean? We, we, We told him how we wanted stuff to sound, how we wanted drums to sound and stuff. We played in bands, we were just like, kind of make it sound like the drums sound like this really big and stuff like that and he was just like, yeah. <laughs> I and know like, better. I know better, right? Like, like every, those things. Like everything Basically. we told him to do, he'd just he'd like sigh and oh great, turn the, switch up. As it's talking, it's like I remember like I went to turn the triggers up, turn the triggers up, like turn the, the kick the, drum up, and he was like, yeah. Like, no, I was like, go and turn him up, and he was like, what, like this? Like, taking the piss, like... And we just went, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> great. Just great like relationship. Yeah. Great relationship with this guy. So it's like, why on, on some of the songs, the level of the kick drum's fucking really high, and some songs it's not because he'd, we made him put it up. And you were an idiot. Yeah. I remember, like, <laughs> I remember some of the critical stuff, because usually what I do when I do these interviews is I, I go look at all the positive things that have been said about an artist's record and they go look at all the negative stuff and usually one of the negative things that got brought up about that particular record um, and then those traditionalists within the scene that like you guys will never you, it won't matter what you do you'll never be good enough um, but they'll always kind of say the band is all about breakdowns it's just breakdown after breakdown after breakdown after breakdown and breakdown so and I saw that more than a few times like yeah. it's the criticism from a variety of different sites so I guess do you guys want to respond at all to that? Like we just, I think we just like breakdowns. <laughs> <laughs> Simple enough. Pretty, pretty case closed. On. Right. I think that CD where a lot of just like write a riff so we can get to a breakdown because <laughs> when you we just used to buzz off bands and watch bands and when people used to mosh, we just used to like, yeah, you know what I mean. Mosh bits get you like psyched and like get you psyched. And like, I mean, there's let this. There's always bring the eyes and they're always gonna be about breakdowns. There's always, always going to be breakdowns to bring the eyes and songs, always. Yeah, well, they're the bits we used to buzz off. We used to go and watch bands, and we we used to actually used to march ourselves and and stuff, and, you know, it's just, I don't know, it's just what we like. And like the CD, there's some songs that don't have breakdowns, and we've, we've definitely gone a lot more varied and pushed, like, different stuff out, but there's always going to be breakdowns. There's still plenty of breakdowns on when, there. Whenever you come to a show, he will try and get you to go mental, like, and... 
But yeah, we like breakdowns. That's what it's about, and I think for a lot of kids, that's what it's about. It's going to see us to get ready to march to our breakdowns and stuff like that. So, it's, I was kind of, I was talking to uh, somebody over the weekend um, as I was preparing for this interview, and I said that it's interesting um, the kind of similarities in the shows and the performance styles between you guys and the Gallows, because of the fact that if you took your two bands, those two bands, and put them in America. They something would happen to their show. It wouldn't. There's, there, you wouldn't have this um, ferociousness to it. American shows, even though they think they're ferocious, aren't. It's like you get like a standout British band, and for something about I don't know if it's from. It's from, uh, you know, we can go really scientific and biological. It comes from the DNA genetics of English people, or if it comes from the the working class background. You have a lot of times, um, like U.S. Metal uh, U.S. hardcore from the Midwest just has a particular vibe and anger about it that you don't necessarily get out of the East Coast hardcore and the West Coast hardcore. So, I mean, is, do you think there's any? Am I off on like left field off this and smoke, you know, smoking pot or something or what? You know, do you think there's something about that the British bands can that bring to a show that maybe after being on Warp Tour and stuff that maybe you kind of guys go like, wow, this. Like they could do so much better. Not to, and I don't want to make you guys sound like cocky. I'm just, you know, no, I, like outside looking in kind of thinking. Um, I think if one thing I think where kids like seem to like connect with us a lot more is because it's a bit more. I guess we're a bit more DIY. We just like we don't have a we I don't have stuff set things to say in between songs, and sometimes I'll be drunk out of my face while we're playing, and I'll just. I'll, I'll be stupid and I'll talk to the kids just like I'm having a conversation with rather than I'm just talking to a big audience. And I think for a lot of bands, they're just, you know, they, they know exactly what they're saying between songs. They all have routine moves and they're, they all got everything set out and ready and it's the same every night. And for bands like Boomer Rising, it's not like that. We're just, we can fuck up and we can, or we can, we'll just do something stupid or we'll get a kid on stage and let him talk. Or it's just like, I think it's a lot more personal. I think kids connect a bit more and that's why a lot of shows go fucking crazy because kids kind of just get get a bit more loose because it it feels a bit more personal to them like we're like we're talking to them rather than just talking to a big audience doing the same lines like you know yeah hello seattle yeah just you're like, our favorite fans ever yeah yeah, you, yeah. You, you're the best show tonight and stuff rather than like i'll just be a dick and i'll just say like if if i'm drunk i can just be like you know, these security, these are security guards at front, not not working hard enough for the money. Get up here and do some crowd surf and whatever. I'll just, I'll just be a dick, basically. I think I think shows go a lot better when he's drunk. I think because it, <laughs> it's, it's good you're admitting it. I guess is he is a shy guy, and um, I think alcohol brings brings him out of the shyness a little so, bit. So 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 for the future, like for the promoters that are and the shows coming up. What, to get the best show out of Ollie, what's what's the what's the drink you need to have si at side stage? Sailor Jerry. Some Jaeger. Sailor Jerry. Oh Jaeger, yeah. A little bit of Jaeger. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think alcohol just it, it gives him a bit more confidence. Like, so I, I enjoy. I think he, he plays better under the influence. Okay. <laughs> and and, and then the drink that. he should they should not have at side stage. Um. Probably Sailor Jerry and Jaeger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So either 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 way, it's a crapshoot. You're rolling the dice, and, and it's like swings and roundabouts. It's good and good and bad to both. You um, go too far. One more question about um, the, the kind of semi-early kind of phase for you guys, and we'll do another music break, and we'll come back, and I want to talk about like where you are now in the future a little bit, and the, and the music industry for you guys, um, and then we'll wrap it up. Um, but in the U.S., 
uh, and again, I'm trying to find out like the differences between how you guys booked your shows because you're right, you 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 nailed it that you guys were very much DIY. You guys were doing a lot of your own stuff. There's that story you hacked into somebody's account to get the list yeah. of all the promoters. Was that true? Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's Johnny True, and that's something we should have been on this tour. That was it. Opening up on this tour, which is weird because we. One of our first shows were open up for them. So, it's kind so you, of, and you hacked into their email account. Yeah, and, and sent, <laughs> sent an email. emails to the promoters saying, we love this band. <laughs> get them on our shows. And then two minutes later, we'd get emails from promoters saying, <laughs> Yo, do you want to go on this show? And we were just like, yeah. It's so funny. <laughs> so we just kind of lied our way onto shows and stuff. You guys should get into politics. Yeah. Um, so in the U.S., for a lot of these young bands, and I kind of was talking about before about like the sharks that live off of young bands, they'll go around and say, okay, you guys want to play, you guys want to try and get a gig. Let's say you guys are playing Peabody's Down Under in Cleveland. And I'll just, the promoters there don't do that, but I'm just asking, let's use that as an example. And so they're like, you want to play here. So you guys have to go sell 50 tickets. Yeah, we've done that before. So is it the same thing in the in the UK? Like, what's it like being like a new band in the UK? Like, do you have to go through that kind of process? The Johnny, the Johnny Truant, the second ever show we played, we were opening for Johnny Truant, and we had to sell tickets to get on the show. They said, you can come on show if you sell so many tickets, and we, we sold every one of them, and we got like 60 pounds, and we thought we were fucking rich yeah. as fuck. And, and, you, and the total amount of those tickets that you sold was how much? About 600 quid or something. <laughs> you got 60 pounds. Yeah, and we were just like... <laughs> we, we, I can remember that when we the first time that worked, first time we ever got paid for a show. I came up to you and we were like, 60 quid. And we were like flipping out. I think we're ready to retire. So. <laughs> <laughs> we, got, we got paid 100 quid once. Oh, yeah. we were so stoked. Went to Hull. Like, and, and, okay, quid. and then what did you blow the money on? Probably petrol getting there. <laughs> right? Yeah. When we got paid 100 pounds, we thought we were insane. Yeah. We thought we were like... <laughs> what was the first thing that you guys bought yourselves that was like your gift? I still, I don't. Well, was there ever something really nice? My TV, I think, probably. I think um, the band's only just paid off. Now we're getting we're, get, we're getting paid quite a large amount for like the new album deal and stuff like that. So we're finally going to get like a, a, a lump of money where we're going to have a chance to go and spend it on something cool. We've, yeah, we've never been given. Well, we've had money where it's. We got it. We're like we're doing all right. You know what I mean? We we we're not making that much money, but we've we live off our yeah. band. Like we we, we live got, off. We get like we get like so much a week, and it's it's, it's not bad, but it's not it's not like we're it's we're not doing bad at all. Super well, we can like yeah. It's enough for us some beers and Mickey D's, and that's it. Well, it's, it's enough to get us by and live normally. Like and plus we're on tour all the time as well, so we don't even need to spend it. So we will get back in. I think this like this year for Christmas is gonna be the first time we're getting we're gonna see some yeah, actual like, a, a proper amount of money for it. So your parents are already all over you saying, you, you know, just give me the money, I'll <laughs> spend it. Well, I can be expecting good Christmas presents. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, right, from the most exotic place on the planet too. By the way, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so uh, for the fans that that for those that are listening <clears throat> to this and, and are just getting to know you guys, <clears throat> um, why don't you give me two songs by your own band that you would you would say uh, the first song that show the differences in your growth from from before the new record and then from the and, and at, from the new record. So like this is how we used to, this this song will probably pretty much be a typical of how we were before, how we sounded, and now this song off the new record is the one that we think is us going forward. Well, we can tell you the first song we ever wrote. Well, what's on record anyway? That's who wants flowers when you're dead. Nobody. 
Yeah, that's that's the first song we ever wrote. What's recorded? I mean, we had a first practice and we got one song, and we were just like, "That's fucking shit." <laughs> so we scrapped that. But the first song we ever wrote and actually kept was "Who Wants Flowers When You're Dead." And that's on Edgy O C. And um, new one. What do you reckon? Um, I guess Chelsea Smiles one of the shows is what direction we're going. It's got like um, it's a lot more. It's got a good hook and stuff, and it's yeah, but it's still heavy. And yeah. it's got some elements, electronic bits and and strings and stuff like that. And I think that'll be that part of trying. We'll be pushing out a lot more in next. It's still. It's, I think that's what we like. We are music. We like. We love heavy music, but we still like catchy stuff. So if like our music's still really heavy, but it's still catchy and like it gets in your head and stuff. Everyone. Like whenever we're on tour, everyone's always singing our bits going, you guys write the stupidest, catchiest songs ever, and we're just like, all right, cool. But um, I guess that's kind of what we wanted to do, like get songs that stuck in your head, but still at the same time, just really heavy. I guess if you listen to both those songs, it, you'd definitely easily be able to see the progress made. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
you don't know. For Count Your Blessings is when you got signed. You got signed for that record. Yeah. Uh, to Visible Noise. Um, how did they f just like find you for that? Like, what was the process? Was it again kind of like cheap, like you kind of knowing the right people, or was somebody just MySpace? MySpace, really? Um, we just <laughs> got a MySpace message off Julia, who is A and R and like runs that label basically, and um, she just said, um, "I'm coming to Leeds. Do you want to meet up and have a chat?" And we're just like, "All right." So we went with Jamie. And um, mm. met up and stuff, and she just basically said she wanted to like help us out and put our record out and stuff like that. She offered us, and she were talking about um, six month contracts and see how we did, sort of thing. And wow, she, usually it's like number of records. They did it by months. That's different. Well, they did like it. it, it, no, it was like it was more like a, a trial. Oh, okay. Cause we're, I, I, I don't know. Like, I guess she might have in the back of her head, but she didn't know how well we do. So she wanted like kind of put out a trial. And stuff, and then she also put these shows on in London every month called Subverse, where it was like a show for kids, and she put so she put us on that, and then we played Subverse, and it it sold out, and kids were going insane, and after she saw that, she just went, I just, I just want to offer you a full time contract, sort of thing, a full um, deal, right, yeah. basically. So that was cool. Did so, you guys yeah. like who did you have read the contract? Carol did it, didn't she? No, a lawyer looked for it. I, I, oh yeah. yeah. Best not ask you those, we don't know. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't worry about any of that then, we just went, yep, yeah, got a label, let's do it. Yeah, for us it was just, yeah, just to, to help us put our CD out and stuff, we were just like, yeah, we got a label, we're stoked, we don't care. We were young, we were like 17, and we were just like, sweet, where do I sign? So we were a bit naive and stuff, but um, we like being on Visible Noise, it's like, they're like, it's like family now and stuff mm. like that. Everyone at Visible Noise is cool. We all get along with everyone and stuff like that. They've done without Visible Noise, our band wouldn't be where it is now. So, you know, we, we're grateful to them and stuff like that. You know, I don't have my list. Um, it's buried within all my pages and notes here. Visible Noise. Are, are you, could you guys say you're one of the biggest bands on that label now? Probably now. Because um, yeah. a, a few bands have finished their contracts with them, like Bullet for my Valentine. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Lost Profits are almost up. And then um, there's us and some other UK bands and stuff. But um, Have you guys been approached? I mean, even though you just kind of started with Epitaph here in the US, but and you were talking about before about being approached by the labels, but did you guys get approached at all by any of the major companies at all during the during uh, any of this? Yeah. Yeah? I think we did towards the end, didn't we? Uh, quite a few major ones came in after we'd, we'd uh, like pretty much got sorted with Epitaph and stuff. Like, we weren't bothered. We were, like, epitaph with a label. We wanted to get on there anyway. Do you think there's something, like you were saying about family, <clears throat> you get in with a label and you become family with them, they all know you, you, you know, you, everybody knows each other's birthdays, you, you know, mm. you, you, idiosyncrasies of each other, you know. Uh, do you think there's something to be said about being a big fish in a small pond? Like, you end up being, you're a small band, but you're the biggest band on the label. And so it allows you to have more flexibility, maybe more control over your career versus if you were just a small band and a huge label, you're kind of at the mercy. I'm kind of purposely painted it, painting it that way, but I'm just kind of curious. Like, did you guys ever kind of think about that? Like, um, I don't know, to be honest. No, I think, I think the important thing to us, as long as they seem sincere and actually into what you're doing and actually give a fuck about okay. it rather than just... Just want your CD because they think it's going to sell well. I think that's all that matters, mm -hmm. and I think that's 
where Epitaph will differ from if we signed with, say, like Virgin, who like Virgin approached us and stuff like that. Like if we signed we with them, we... I don't think they they don't give a fuck about what music we're playing and stuff, and they won't be excited about it. Mm. Whereas Epitaph are excited about it. everyone at the office is like buzzing off it and stuff like that. Mm. And uh, that's what that's what that's matters. what we wanted, didn't it? Because yeah. they, they care about us. They're going to fight for us, and they're always going to be there pushing for us and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, we just yeah. we wanted someone who who. Who like would put as much into our band as we would, you know what I mean? Who'd fight fight our corner and stuff like that and Epitaph all seemed really like they'd do that, you know what I mean? We went mm-hmm. to went to Brett's house in Hollywood and met everyone from label and stuff and had food with them all and stuff like that. And yeah. everyone just got on. It's like we can like have email I can <coughs> email Brett and he'll email email me back the same day and we could talk to him and stuff. I can't imagine being signed on Warner Brothers and being able to email the guy who owns Warner Brothers <laughs> Records and like email me back the same day, you know what I mean? Is there any sort of a, um, you know, as you guys have been, as you guys have been moving up this up the ladder and you guys have been, you know, starting to form relationships with like with Brett Gerwitz and, you know, label owners and guys that control, you know, the promoters for whole portions of a country or a region or whatever the deal is. Um, so you start meeting these people that are around a while, but you can trust them. Is there anything about like? Like a basic rule of thumb or tour to working within the music industry, you guys have learned like, you know, don't do this, you know, as a band, like as a business decision, or do this, or you know what I mean? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. We're really unbusiness like. We still are. Like we're, <laughs> we're still, so we're so unprofessional. We're still useless. We are, we just we don't. I, that's why half a reason we don't know why we got this far because <laughs> everything's just. Accidental In success, it, gotta it, love it. Yeah, everything about our band, like people like, do you want to We're like, no. People, every, every question, like <laughs> any professional or business like question, we're just like, we're just lazy. When people ask us for ad, <laughs> people ask, when people ask us for advice, or like, oh, I'm I'm starting a band, how do you do it? We're always like, we don't know, cause we don't know either. Do you guys update your own MySpace page? Uh, yeah. All right. Okay. So there is something you'd still do. All right. So um, we still do all that stuff. Although, like, although. The labels are starting to talk about a bit more than that now. Yeah. All right, so now they're all right. So you guys, all right. So you're when not it, doing that anymore. When, it, when we first set it up, we used to like reply to all messages, and but now it's just if we replied to all messages, we'd be there all day, and you know we can't we can't take like as much control as we used to and stuff like that with our MySpace pages and stuff like that because it's it, it's out of control basically. Mm. But I mean, back in the day, we used to reply to all messages and stuff, but if we did it now, it'd be insane. Do you guys have any problems with, um, you, there was this thing at uh, Metallica, uh, uh, I think it was Lars who said it a couple months ago, and uh, it ended up being picked up, and I think it's happened in the UK, where everybody was in the audience and they were filming with their with their little cameras and their cell phones, like they were videoing, and he's like, put away the cell phones, you can call your mom later, and he was like, complaining, yeah. like, stop filming us, and, but I can't, you can't go to a show anymore, everybody's filming everything. So does it like do you guys does it bother you at all or do you it welcome does, it? Yeah, it is, I, I'd agree with uh, Lars there. Uh, it's it's kind of it's kind of annoying when kids are like sat on the stage with the cameras just like, oh, it's like the front okay, row, the front right. row with all the cameras filming you looking at the camera. It's like we're playing now. You don't need to. Why are you filming so you can go and watch it at home later? We're playing now. Why you put your phone down and fucking just watch our band? And like last night we were playing the. A coat on the stage and people sound stage. I just picked the coat up and threw it in front without a coat check. <laughs> it's like some kids are just 
Like, and yeah. it's like that. It's just like, why are you here? It's just like, do you, do you actually care if what we're doing? Because if you are, why don't you just watch it right now? Yeah, it's like, and sometimes when it's a big crowd and support bands are on and kids are sat on stage with like the backs turned and stuff and it's just like, you're insane. Turn around and watch band, you know what I mean? It's like, if, but like if kids want to film, whatever, you know what I mean? But we'd prefer if they put them away and just got into the show more than sat on stage with the phones in my face or whatever. But Saying that is, I think England's a lot worse for it. Cause really? I, I didn't notice that much in America. Like, yeah. All kids at front are like, screaming along so long. I don't see that many cameras in England. It's like, especially for our band, there's, the front row is usually 14-year-old girls with the phones like that. Yeah, it's usually, yeah. But in, in America, kids uh, seem to like know more words and stuff and get into the show more and jump on, like, jump off stage or whatever. But um, yeah, it's kind of weird when it's just the like, first four front rows have all got the phone out and you're just like, yeah, you don't need to be filming me. It's interesting. I'm just wondering if we like, you know, we're growing into a society now where it's all about being able to say you've captured a moment for yourself. Yeah. You know, so like it's no longer about scrapbooks and photo albums, <coughs> like old school. It's all about video scrapbooks, I guess, in a way. Like I was here. It's all, I took this. It's all about putting a picture on your MySpace, isn't it? So I mean, wait, MySpace <laughs> maybe is the new scrapbook. I don't know. Yeah. You know? Um, so I do ask a couple standard questions, just because every time I ask these, we get different answers, and some are pretty hilarious, and some are pretty scary. Um, what was the time so far on the road that you almost died? Um, every night. <laughs> <laughs> Great answer, actually. The best one yet. In, uh, in London, half a band got beat up by one of the guitarists from Mastodon. Well, no one from band did. Our friend did. But we that all, was, we all got a couple of punches. Yeah, but like, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> shall we even talk about this? Yeah, it, was, it was a funny night. It was pretty funny. We all got, we played London. It was on the last tour. We played London. We got back. We were all smashed, and we parked under like underneath a shopping centre, and it like where all the buses park in London and stuff. And we got back, and there were some drunk people there, and one of them was uh, one of the guys from Mastodon. And <laughs> I don't even know how it happened, but one of our friends ended up getting punched, and I got knocked out. Uh, I got I got punched. Um, it was fucking crazy. We didn't even know what was going on. We were just like, why is why is one of our friends got a, like a bloody nose and uh, what's going on? And there were just random people getting beat up. People we'd never even met getting, beat, getting up. beat up. I was going crazy. Was so and funny. just like some guy from Mastodon and his friends just beating random people up, and we were just caught in middle of it, just like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> It was you never figured out what the hell happened. Like somebody didn't come up and say, "Well, I called him a dick." I think no, I think it was just drunk stuff. Everyone was just too drunk. Just drunk. And um, yeah, <laughs> Mastodon guy thought he would call a punch our friend in the face. <laughs> so our friend, our friend, were fucking went to hospital. He cut his nose and stuff, and he fucked him up good. Yeah, good punch. But <laughs> yeah, we didn't know what was going on. We were just—it's something we can laugh about now. But at the time, we were just like, "What the fuck?" Even at the time, it was pretty funny. Yeah. I guess, because it's like, we're all fans of Mastodon as well, and it was just crazy. We came back, we were all drunk as fuck. And like, listen, we're listening to him the next day, and we're like, going to the next show with Mastodon, and just laughing. All looking at each other, kind of like laughing, going, it's nothing like the, there's nothing like getting knocked out by, by your, one of your favourite bands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not too many fans can say that, you know? Yeah, that's true. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know too many fans who said they've gotten punched, got their, their lights knocked out by Morrissey. <laughs> You know, um, what about uh, what's been the coolest thing a fan has given you? 
like those handcrafted things, those things that they spent hours on. That drop dead toy, that's fucking sweet. Isn't yeah, it? someone made me a, a like a soft toy of like one of the designs from Drop Dead, and it's like it looks like a, you could go to a shop and buy it. It's that good. It's been all like stitched and stuff. When we got when you got it, it showing everyone, and we were all just like, "This is insane!" Like, you it's can, like the detail on it is crazy and stuff. It had like features and stuff, and you could take its earrings out and shit. And we were just like, "This is wild." Someone, someone painted a picture of me. Is also on this tour, which yeah. is like photo. It just looks like a photo. Doesn't it's it? Kind of, it's a bit scary, but it's it's like so. It's mental. Yeah, we just played a show and some and I cheap brought it down and just like someone's give you this and they like give a framed picture. Like <laughs> and we were just like, what the this fuck? painting it looks like a photo. I was like, but, yeah. it's crazy. We've had little bits off kids. We've had like beanie babies and stuff like beanie that. babies, right, right. <laughs> And someone gave us all a Beanie Baby each, and then we'd be like, it ran warp to and we put them on, like, when we played, we put them on our amps and stuff like that. And, <laughs> that's awesome. That's um, awesome. Yeah, it's, it's usually Ollie who gets most of stuff like that, but it's when we get them, it's, it's pretty, pretty. Do you keep it? Yeah. Yeah. Do you keep it's it? Cool. Or, or, we we want to try and just keep it also when we're like, <clears throat> in about five years when we're nobodies and we can look at it, and when we're like super old dudes, we can get them out. And Sharky is like, you, your granddad was famous once, look. Yeah. I've got like, my, I've got like in my bedroom I've got like a little pot with like bracelets and stuff kids make you and stuff like that so I've got like bracelets and beanie babies and weird little things but you know to keep them all may as well aren't you someone's kid at you so don't want to throw it away I'm going to steal a, a great question that Scott just gave to Rocket to the Moon the other day um, here for one of our acoustic sessions. And uh, it was a great question. Have you ever had those situations where the fan, like like a, a teenage um, girl, or is like, you know, the, after the, like by the merch booth, something like that, and then the mom is with her, and then the mom starts hitting on you? If mom's hot, it's, it's cool. <laughs> it's this this tour in particular, there's been a band mom every night. <laughs> really? Every, oh, like, so it's been every night now. Not like a band mom that's been hitting on you, but like oh. there's been someone there's been someone with a mom's there every night. Every night is a mom there. It's crazy. Like it's weird. It's it's like and like they're they're getting like they get they, I think they just kind of get wrapped up in the, like because the kids are so excited and they get stoked and like they're yeah. getting photos of you and stuff and getting you to sign stuff for them. It's crazy. Like mom's they, brought us cupcakes and stuff and yeah. I was just going to ask that. If if a fan is going to bring you food, home-baked food, because, you know, you just get it sometimes. You just get it. What's What should they bring? Uh, weed brownies. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're honest. I like that. In certain states, you can just say it's medicinal. You'll be fine. So um, You can blame it on the fans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was them. Arrest <laughs> them. If someone wants to bring me weed brownies, then I'm all for it. But any, <laughs> any baked goods... Yeah, and if, anything with weed in it, just bring it. Yes. <laughs> just weed, just bring weed. <laughs> just bring weed, right. Um, and uh, what's going Oh, if, if the relationship between fans and the band, the musicians, is always, it, it's a Jekyll and Hyde relationship a lot of times. <clears throat> so, and a lot of bands say, oh God, what band was it that said that? I think it was, no, it was uh, Cute is What We Aim For said it. They were complaining about it. They said the problem with some of the fans today is they don't know when the state, I want to paraphrasing this, they don't know when the show is over. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you guys are on the phone with like your girlfriend, your mom, maybe somebody, your friend of yours. You're walking around down the street away from the tour bus after the show. You just want some private time, seven fans around you. Yeah. And it's just like, 
if there was like if you if there could be a great detente meeting, you know, like a UN meeting between fans and band musicians, and you guys could sit down and the musicians could ask for certain things from fans, like new rules of engagement, so to speak, in that relationship. What would be a rule or two that you guys would you would love fans to start? Besides maybe stop filming every single thing of the shows in the front row. Um, I guess it, I think it is it is annoying, but at the same time they're the people that are making getting you to all the places that you want to be and stuff, and you owe them everything basically. Yeah, if it weren't for them kids, then you, I wouldn't be in America right now. You know what I mean? So there's you like if a kid comes up to you and is like, "Can I get a photo?" Or it's like you can't turn around and say no. Like, you know it, what I mean? It's, it's, it, I mean, it definitely gets frustrating sometimes. There are kids that take it too far. It's like kids that will jump on the bus or. They'll just not believe you. They'll just not go. Or they'll they'll get in backstage and then they'll sit there all night and like 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 yesterday, I, um, where we were in Detroit, I jumped out of the shower and like like got went out to the bus absolutely freezing. I were all wet, and there were like like about like fifty kids outside the bus, and like they they all want a photo and an autograph, and I'm there and I'm like dying, like I'm freezing <laughs> so much. I'm dying because I'm all wet and stuff and like. And I'm like, and in my head, I'm like, this is killing me. But at the same time, it's like, but these have been all waiting here for about an hour for me to, and it's like, I can't not give them an autograph. So you've got to just, I think you've got to, you've got to be nice to your fans and you've got to, you've just got to take it on chin sometimes. If you aren't phone someone, it is annoying. But I think the way they see it is they want, they, I think when I were a kid and I wanted a, an autograph off a band and they'd be like rude to me, I'd be like, I just want your autograph, I, lo I love you and stuff. And for every kid, it's like, I'm just one kid that wants your autograph, but for the actual band, it's you one kid in like 50 kids that I've got to stand in, you know what I mean? Like, stuff like that. But I think as frustrating as it can get, you've just got, your fans are everything. Yeah, because without, yeah, it's like without our fans, we wouldn't be here, we wouldn't be on this tour, you know what I mean? So you just got to be grateful and stuff. And we are grateful that actual people like our band, such as mm. some, I remember when we first started getting people telling us they liked our band, we were just like, wow, actual people like our band. You know, like local bands, it's just like, usually their mom says they're good or their friends tell them they're good. But like when actual people tell you your band's good, it's like, cool, thanks. So like, we appreciate it, definitely. Yeah. It's like, some, like, some things fans don't get, though, you just got to remember that we're like, we're a person too, you know what I mean? When kids come up to you and they're like shouting in your face and they're screaming and stuff, it's like, whoa, chill out, you know what I mean? I'm I'm still a, a person too, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think they kind of think you you shouldn't, it's like you're not allowed to, uh, you've got to be twice as nice as a normal person, you know what I mean? Just because you've got to, you, you don't want to come off as a prick and stuff, so you've got to be like, like kids will say stuff to me so out of order and stuff and I'll just, I'll not like, I'm, I'll not like say it about us, but like, you know, just get on with it. And yeah, like you said, it's some kids have just got to like. It can just be a bit like too much, like a like, bit pushing. Like, that, yeah. Sometimes the kids will just like run on the bus or something, and like, and like, and it's like this is at home. Imagine if I just ran into your house, <laughs> it'd be like they'd be there so out of fucking order. Yeah. Kids like that, but yeah. But you just got yeah, you just got you can't you can't you just got to deal with it. Good, you know what I mean. You can't be a dickhead about it or. You're gonna be made to like a dickhead, but if you just deal yeah. with it good, then one, like one day, it's cool. One day we're gonna be absolute. All five of us are gonna be absolute nobodies, and no one will want our autograph, and no one will want a photo with, and no one will want to talk to us. So and and then and then we'll be thinking, fucking hell, someone used to want my autograph and a picture of me and stuff, 
And like, and if you were a dick to him, and if you were like, no, you'd think, why am I such a dick? Because that's insane that someone ever wanted a photo or an autograph of me. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty weird that someone wants me to scribble my little. I still don't get name. it. Like, I still go, why the fuck does he want my name on a piece of paper? Yeah. Why? And it's like, and, and you kind of forget when you were a kid and you were and you were a fan. I, I, bands I looked to if I got their autographs, I'd go fucking ballistic. You know what I mean? I think I remember the first time someone ever asked me to sign a CD. Oh, we yeah. we were in like we were down south, and it was just when Edgy Seat came out, and this kid were like, were can, you "Can you sign my CD?" And I think I I ran away and told everyone. I was just like, this, <laughs> "Really? This, yeah." I think I was just like, "This kid wants me to sign a CD," and we were just like, we're like "We made it out to be the biggest thing ever." We're just like, like, like. I didn't so. even have a signature then. I just fucking. Made it up on the spot, and we were just like, "That's insane." But uh, yeah. And and uh, last question, <clears throat> a little lighthearted, I guess, in a way. I was gonna go something a little bit more serious about merch and that, but I think it's okay. We've done we've done enough serious questions. Um, every time a, a, a band comes from another country into the U.S. and they tour, they they and likewise for American bands going overseas, you always like discover some some food, some restaurant some chain, some soda, something you can't get back home that you fall in love with about that country that you're in. So is there any kind of food, drink, cigarette, I don't know what, about the, that's, that you can only get in the U.S. that, you, that has now become your favorite? Peanut butter M&M's. You cannot get peanut butter M&M's in England. And when I'm out here, it's, I'm such a bad guy for them. I eat some, I get like stashes in my bed and... <laughs> Get really high and just sit and eat bags full of peanut butter M&Ms and just about an hour later, I'd just be like, why did I do that? But then <laughs> I'll do the same thing next night. But um, For me, it's uh, there's these Smirnoff ice, flavoured Smirnoff ice grape. Oh, and they're so oh, good. Those just, are the best. It just tastes like pop. And I think what, the cherry? Yeah. yeah, it's, cherry, yeah. It, it's also good. And I think what I'm going to do before I go home is just buy a shitload and take it out and start my fridge up because it's just... I kind of think, like, I can be at home and have a can of Coke, or I could be at home and have a Smirnoff, and it's like, I'm drinking a drink that's better than Coke, but I'll be getting slightly drunk while I'm doing it. You know, I drink those too, because I get tired of beer after a while, yeah. you know what I mean? And my friends, they all think I'm a pussy, because I drink uh, it. I won't, I, I won't drink them to get drunk, because it's not right. really possible, but, like, they're so good, and there's got alcohol right. in them, it's like... <laughs> right, it's like, right. And the, and the orange ones are like that too. They taste like orange soda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't. I can't understand. That. I can have any alcohol in when it tastes that good. Wow, somebody else on this planet that you and I have something in common. So. <laughs> and I think our birthdays. You're born November twentieth. We're five days apart. So sweet. So something else. We're we're twins. Um, <laughs> guys, good luck on Taste of Chaos. Um, it's a very very credible lineup this year. It's going to be a great tour. Um, and the best of luck to everything for you guys in the future. It is. You're just at the beginning. I mean, in a way, and it sounds like you guys have already learned quite a bit. And uh, just, you know, as, as you kind of said, just be true to yourself and stick around people that, that actually give a damn. Yeah. Yeah, man. Definitely. Thanks a lot. The AP Podcast has been sponsored by Epitaph Records, featuring new releases from Leathermouth, Thursday, Newfound Glory, and Bring Me the Horizon. For more information on all Epitaph Records news, Release schedules and exclusive videos and merch, sign on to epitaph.com. AP Podcasts are recorded at Lava Room Recording Studio in Cleveland, Ohio, a New York City quality studio at Cleveland Prices. Check out www.lavaroomrecording.com. 
For more information on Alternative Press Magazine, go to www.altpress.com. The podcast engineer is John Walsh. Post-production assistance from Rob Bertenzi. I'm Mike Shea, and this is all my fault. You can reach me directly at www.myspace.com slash Mike Shea AP. That's S-H-E-A like the stadium, AP. 